This is a podcast by Wellhouse Church, where we take a closer look and dig a little deeper into this week's sermon. How we doing, Bible nerds? What up? What is up? So we're still in Restoration Stories. Yep. Um, and so we're going to talk about Hebrews 11 coupled with Genesis 4, the Cain and Abel story. Yeah, interesting. I, I'm not really a fan of teaching too many verses at one time. Yeah. Uh, I've never really been that fan. I, I mean, even when I used to be in a context where they wanted you to preach, you know, 30 minutes or 35 minutes, I still didn't do it. I still never did it. But and if you've never watched one of Cullen's sermons that are with Wellhouse, um, they're typically about 15 minutes. Oh, no. If it's 15 minutes, it's long. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there, it's true. There's somewhere the between. The videos are about 15 minutes yeah, because the of the intro and the outros. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the, the intro is like two and a half minutes long, and then the outro is, you know, a minute or so of the questions rolling. I mean, literally, I mean, like tomorrow's, or sorry, yesterday's sermon, at the time of re- recording this podcast, I've already filmed it, mm-hmm. but I haven't edited it. Mm-hmm. But. It's raw, unedited version was 12 and a half minutes. Wow. That's crazy. Yeah, like I just don't, I don't like teaching a lot of text. And I felt like in order to do this one, I had to, like I had to teach a lot of text, but I I didn't like, but which is also why I'm grateful that we have this podcast because it gives us a space to go in and fill in some of the gaps. Yeah. And this is, this is a really interesting one because I talk a little bit, but I don't, this is the hard part about teaching so short time, such a short time length is because you almost feel like you're not doing any part of it. True justice. Yeah. Um, and which is the case here. And this is an important text. I mean, Hebrews 11, one is by and large the way most people define faith. Yeah. Like if you ask somebody, what is faith? Most p- people are going to tell you that Go read Hebrews 11. <laughs> yeah, it's it's confidence in what's hoped for or yeah. is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction yeah. of things not seen. And what I really wanted to do, and I, I didn't do it, and I don't have it in my notes, so I'm going to be pulling it up while we talk. I think it's in Luke. But look at me. I go to get Google, and I just decide, no, I think I know the Bible better than Google. Look at <laughs> that's It's quite hubris of me, I know. I'm pretty sure it's in Luke, but. Um, it's interesting that it's interesting for me that it's assurance for the things hoped for. Yeah. And it's conviction of things not seen. You know, it's, it's kind of a corny reference, but Clayton, can you see the wind? No. Do you believe in the wind? Of course. Why? Because you can feel it. Oh, oh, so interesting. So there are things that we identify based on feeling or things that we can see the effects of. Yeah. Because I can see the trees move. Yeah. When? When the wind blows. Yeah. You can see the leaves move on the ground. Faith is no different. 
I mean, can we see God? No. But do I know he's there? Yeah. How? Because I feel him and I see the effects of his activity. Yeah. Um, it's the best way. I, it's the best example I know how to give. And it's not a great one. No, it's not. It's super corny. But <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I, I like I own that from the beginning. Like yeah, it is corny. It's super corny. But like there's not a better way to explain faith. Um, I've used that multiple times to explain faith. Yeah. Um, and I'm not proud of it. It's just, there's not a better way to. Well, yeah, it's just, it's not. And because I do think part of the way that we believe or we embody belief or faith in God is through our experience of him. Yeah. If anybody tells me that like, you should just ignore experience, like, come on, bro, get out your own way. Yeah. God's trying to give you experiences with him. Like, treat them as such. Treat them yeah. as gifts. I mean, so we can be confident in God because of our experiences with him and our ability to see his activity in the world. I mean, marriages restored don't just happen on good faith. Mm-hmm. They happen because of Jesus. Yeah. I mean, we can see the activity of Christ. We can see the activity of God, and we can feel him in our own experiences, and that's that's faith. It's knowing that he's there. It's the conviction of things hoped for, you know, embodying on the resurrection. I mean, but it is, it is kind of a corny reference, it is I, but I just, I don't There's listen. There's not a better way to explain If it. you got a better one, get in the community group on Facebook, go to my wellhouse church of Facebook and get in there in the a closer look community group and give us some better examples. Like, because yeah. I don't know another one. Uh, and I've asked a lot of people this, and I can't get a better one than the wind, which kind of stinks because I wish I could get a better one. But interesting, too. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. That's really interesting that the author of Hebrews, whoever he or she is, chooses to add that little bit about the things not seen. Yeah. Because when Jesus appears to doubting Thomas, which I hate that I call him that, but that's what everybody knows him as because he's been a disciple for like three years and never doubted once. And he has one experience of doubt that they all had apparently. Yeah. Similar ideas of doubt. It's it's pretty unfair. Well, it's it's just yeah. It's I mean you're identifying Thomas by his one worst yeah easy. his worst mistake, but but he he comes to his his disciple friends and say, and they or the disciple friends come to Thomas and they say we've seen Jesus, we've seen the Lord, and Thomas replies to them unless I see the mark in his hands, the hole in his side, I will not believe. Like, unless you show up before me, I will not believe. So then there's a week later, they're again in the house, Thomas is with them, and then the text says, although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them. (laughs) Like, Jesus is a magician. He's he's flexing. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That deified body really showing out now. (laughs) So... 
Then he, he said to Thomas, put your finger here and see my hands. Reach out your hand and put it in my side. Do not doubt, but believe. Thomas answered him, my Lord and my God. And Jesus said to him, have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have come to believe. I think it's really interesting that the author of Hebrews puts that bit in there. There's the thing unseen because Jesus seems to have a special affinity for those who have not seen. Now, let's also note Jesus has to reveal himself to someone or nobody believes he's actually resurrected. Sure. Right. Jesus has to make appearances in the resurrected deified body. But yet, it almost leads me to believe that he didn't necessarily want to. Mm. Blessed are those who believed and have not seen. Like, there's a special place for you. Like, there's something significant about what you're doing that you didn't need tangible proof to believe in me, my activity in the world, my power, what I can do, uh, all the things of who I am as God. You didn't need to see me to believe the things I've said. And yet, that's faith. Faith is the conviction for things not seen, which Jesus affirms, blessed are those who believe and have not seen. These things seem to go hand in hand, which I think is kind of cool that, yeah. that they tie together that way. So that's the faith part. Like, I think that needs to be worked out more, but we're halfway through the podcast and we haven't even talked about Cain and Abel yet, yeah. which needs to be talked about. So... Let's let me turn back to Hebrews eleven and read what is that verse four and following? Yeah. yeah. So interesting, he says, By faith Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain's. Through this he received approval as righteous, God himself giving approval to his gifts. He died, but through his faith he still speaks. So through his faith he still speaks as his story lives on. Right, is what that is. That that it's a story worth telling. Yeah. But interestingly, there's a whole lot more to that story than what the author of Hebrews is telling us. Like that story is packed with far more information and details than what he's alluding to here. Yeah. So as a detailed out in the story, if you haven't watched it, go watch it because I don't want to spend all the time rehashing all the stuff I already said. But there's something that fascinates me about this text, and I do a little bit with it in the story, but that's more as a setup for where I'm taking it. But... This is the first place in the Bible where we're told that two people are different. Mm. We're told that God made Adam and Eve male and female, right. which is different, but then we're told a statement of inclusivity that they're both made in the image of God. Yeah. And so it's like they're one and the same. And then we're given that whole thing about the two will become one flesh and all this, like that they are one. They are unified. They are the yeah. same. But here, after sin enters the world... Right, so God's just given his curse on all these things, kicked them out of the garden. Like literally one of the first things we're told 
is that Cain's a farmer and Abel's a rancher. Yeah. Like they're different. The, the humanity is going in different tracks now. We're no longer unified doing exactly the same thing. Now, I think that's important because like we talk about all the time, your faith experience and beliefs are pretty different than mine. We believe in the same core fundamentals, but secondary tertiary issues, we're all over the place. Yeah. Um, We actually had this conversation less than a week ago um, about how different like these secondary and tertiary issues are between us and even well house board members well house board members i mean because here's the i don't think like i think gone are the days where we're like our goal here is to indoctrinate people yeah no like those days are just gone it's un it's an unhelpful practice our goal here is should be forming people into understanding what their role is and participating in godness yep you don't do that through fighting no there are some things i will fight for i will fight for the nicene creed I will fight for the deity of Jesus. I will I will fight for the divinity of Jesus. I will fight for some things. Whether or not you can drink alcohol, where you're at on praying in tongues, like these things are not worth fighting over. Yeah. Whether Even what you your believe. soteriology is, like yeah. they're not worth fighting it's over. Not. And so like that's where I'm at. But I also think the Bible is setting you up from the very early part that sin is going to yield to different people. Yeah. Like sin has entered the world and humanity is no longer unified and they're headed in different spaces and in their heading in different spaces, that's going to lead to them harming one another. Mm-hmm. Interestingly enough, I think when you read this, when you read the story of face value, it almost seems like a survival of the fittest. Kind of. Right? Abel has the better offering because he's offering an animal. But Cain's just a farmer, so he just offers grain. But there's a really, really small word that shows up that's really, really important. Verse 3. In the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground. Verse 4. And Abel, for his part, brought of the firstlings mm. of his flock their fat portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering, but for Cain and his offering, he had no regard. Yeah, it's important to remember that the Levitical law has not been written yet. Correct. Um so, well, at least in, in the story that's happening. Right. By the time Genesis is written, I'm yeah, pretty yeah, sure yeah. the Levitical law right. has been. But in the way the story's playing out, it's not happening. It, it, the, the Levitical law had not been written before the Cain and Abel story. Correct. Um, so there were no set... Sacrificial s- laws. Yeah. No. Um, I mean, unless... I mean, God had to tell them to do sacrifice somehow. Sure. Which we're not told no. exactly how that happens. Uh, but they show up doing sacrifice. So God probably told them and maybe gave them some parameters, but they're mm-hmm. but it's not recorded in the text. Right. Um, I'd never picked up on that before, but you're right. Um, and Abel brought the, the firstlings, the, the 
the fruit, the, like the, best, the best of stuff, what he had, the, like the, yeah. all of the good things, right? Yeah, the best of what he had. Um, that's, that's our, our 10%, right? Um, yeah. Um, and it doesn't seem that Cain did that. That's why it does Abel. It and interestingly enough, so look, when Adam and Eve sin, the whole the whole narrative there with the tree of knowledge of good and evil is that God said, Hey, I'm I'm God. I've made you, I've given you this paradise to live in, but I'm gonna put this tree over here that's the knowledge of good and evil, which I have, but you don't have. The only thing you know is good. And so if you eat that, you're choosing to be me. Mm. You're trying to be me by having a knowledge of good and evil that you think you can do something with that I can't. Yeah. So that's what we're doing there. So when they eat the tree or they eat the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, interestingly enough, they're trying to become God. Right. In, in functionality is what they're doing. And then they turn on one another, blaming each other for their attempt to be God. The story is being repeated here. Mm -hmm. They're turning against one another in their attempts to please God. And that's going to be repeated. The Tower of Babel. Mm -hmm. We're building a tower up to be like God. And God says, let me scatter you. Let me turn you against one another in language, not in violence, because you're trying to be me. The whole thing is this, this repetitive pattern of humanity trying to please or attain the level of God and turning against one another in response to when they can't do it. Can, can, can I go back to the indoctrination thing? <laughs> yeah. Um. That's exactly what we're doing when we start arguing like the secondary and tertiary issues. Well, yeah, that's my, that was my point. Oh, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, it is. That's exactly what we're doing. It we're, is. We think that we know better and that we're more like God than you. Yeah. Um, and so we fight and we turn on each other. Yeah. I've actually seen people go to blows over theology before. Yeah. Well, interestingly enough, that's really only like a really conservative fundamentalist kind of approach because liberal people, honestly, it's kind of funny, but the more liberal you are, the more you realize you don't know. And the more you realize you don't have to know all the answers. And you really stop kind of caring too at some level. Well, there are, yeah. So there are some things you stop caring about for sure. Yeah. But so all that to say, I think there's a really important part here and this was kind of the basis of my message. My story is like, it's, it's about the first fruit. It's about the best of what you have. Now I also make this comment and I want to explore this more. We don't know what kind of herd Abel had. Yeah. What if it's a gangle of mangy disease infested sheep? Yeah. We don't know. And what if a, what if Cain has this just immaculate grain and wheat? We don't know. Because the deal here is not that you're giving the best. You're giving your best. Mm. You're giving the best of what you have. That's the other thing. That's a sliding scale. Because mm. as I say all the time, 
faith is God's power meeting your vulnerability. Mm. Well, my vulnerability is always in flux. It's always moving. And what I need from God in the level of vulnerability is always changing and in flux. And so there are some days I wake up and I'm like, God, I just don't have it today. I don't have anything left to give you. I'm exhausted. But then through a neural, through inner healing prayer, which we're going to talk about on Wednesday, I get a little bit back. And so the next day I wake up and I say, okay, God, I can give you, like, I can give you a little bit. I got a little bit to give you. I can give you some. And then there are some days where I make up for it. And I'm like, yep, got it. You can have it all. But the best of what you have is not always the same. Because as life changes, as things are in flux, the best of what you have is in flux. And so I, I think we do ourselves an injustice when we hold ourselves to this standard that we've got to do X, Y, Z in order to please God. Because my best today might not be my best tomorrow. And my best today might not have been good enough a year ago. Or it might have been more than I could give a year ago. As we change and we evolve and we grow, our best changes and evolves and grows with us. And so I don't, I don't want to give you some kind of false hope or, or fire insurance here that you don't have to do anything. That's not what I'm doing. But what I am saying is like, hey, cut yourself some slack because your best today might not be your best tomorrow. It might not be your best a month from now. And you may go a month where you feel like you literally don't have anything to give. But I promise you the fact that you're even aware that you should be giving to God and you just don't have anything to give, you're still in a good place. I mean, the widows might, right? We talk about that a lot. She gave more because she gave the best of what she had. It's not about the value. It's not about what you give, what your talents are, all those. Things. It's not about that. God's going to, if you give God your best, he's going to give you his best. So whatever you have to give, God's going to make it tenfold. God's going to multiply it, just like he does fish and bread. It's not about what you give. It's how you give. And if you're giving the best you have, God will give you the best he has in return. And it's also important to to acknowledge the intent of your heart as well. Yeah. Um, if you're giving because you want to be seen giving, <laughs> um, that's a different thing. Yeah. Um, but if you're giving out of love and and out of love for God, and yeah, He will honor that. When I also think if you're giving from a place of like obligation, mm. that seems to be what Cain's doing. Yeah. That's so why he gets angry when God didn't accept it. And he's like, dude, I'm doing what you told me to do. Right? He's frustrated. He's like, bro, I literally did what you told me to do. I gave you sacrifice. So that seems to be, in my mind, when I read this story, this is what I see. But on another point, I'm using give in a very loose term. I mean, every day we wake up, we have an opportunity to choose God. Mm. In choosing God, we're giving God the best we have. Yeah. There are some days I wake up, I don't have it. 
God, I can't do it today. I'm sorry. Like, I do not have it in me today. I'm beat down. I'm a person of brokenness, of sin, of shame, of all these things. And like, I just don't have it in me today. Yeah. I, I tell people this all the time. There are a lot of mornings that I wake up and pray, Lord, help me in my unbelief. Because like, we're all broken people. We all have trauma. We all have things going on in our lives. And I'm no different. Sometimes I wake up and go, God, I don't have it in me today. Help me in my unbelief. But like, oddly enough, in that moment, that is truly the best I have to offer. Because I could wake up and go, curse you, God, you don't care about me. But literally waking up and going, hey, God, I know you're there. I know I'm in a rough place. Help me in my unbelief. It's all I can give you today. It's all I got to give. And then there are other days I wake up. I'm like, God, I got a lot. Let's go. And a 30-minute devotion time, my practicing presence time, turns into four hours. Mm. There are days where I have a lot to give. And there are days where I don't have much. And that's okay. You don't always have to give or hold yourself to this expectation that every day I've got to give the same amount because you might not have the capacity every day to give the same amount. And that's okay. As long as every day you're giving the best of what you have for that day, God will give you the best of what he has.